0: That's what I think is so important, and what a lot of people and companies are missing these days. So I I think
1: that's part of the culture we're trying to build at Catalyst, is a place where people can be themselves. And mm -hmm. I've never worked at a place like this before, where people can so truly be who they are.
0: Welcome to Humans of SaaS. I'm your host Ben Wynn, and on this show, I talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders from the tech industry who each have a unique and compelling story to share. Mike Roberts is the head of marketing at Catalyst, which also makes him my boss. And today I had him on the show to test out a new sort of format to the episode. Um, We recorded in person in the office with our fancy new mics, So hopefully the sound quality is better than what you're used to. And hopefully this is what we get going forward. But it was a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it.
1: I was thinking about this the other day. We were at an off site that day and we had a special location for the filming. Mm-hmm. And um, I was working with our designer Scout in the room next door. And I walked outside and there was a terrace and I saw two people out there. One was Gabe from our RevOps team. Yeah. And the other was a woman, a blonde haired woman in a red dress. She
0: sounds beautiful. And, and
1: I said, Hey, Scott! Look at what's going on out there. It's such a beautiful scene. And the woman turned, and it was you. You were wearing a red dress, and you had a blonde wig. It was a really happy moment for me because I was Was like, "Well, it was because you know we have we're doing all this fun, exciting stuff in our marketing team." It made me think of just something that I like to ask candidates that we were talking about earlier um, about things that you're doing that you're really excited about and proud about in your work and I always ask people this in an interview I say Mm -hmm. tell me something that you're like super proud of that you've done and for me you know I could think since we've been working at Catalyst we've done so many things that we're insanely proud of Mm -hmm. um, more than I've ever done in, in my career and sometimes people don't have a good answer they respond and they're like they have to think really hard and I think a lot of people are just doing very standard cookie cutter type of marketing Mm -hmm. stuff. And and I don't blame them for not having a good answer, but at the same time it makes me sad because I'm like, why are these people spending so much time in marketing and they're not, they don't have great examples of things that they've launched and things that they're proud of. And, um, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, we've done lots of things even today and we launched, uh, our first ever meme library. We took all the memes that we've done. We put them into a full online library that's such a cool thing to be launching and something that we'll probably remember for the rest of our lives. Um, we'll be 60, 70 year old men and be like, remember when we launched the meme library. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you, like what are some of the things that we've done here? And especially because we're hiring two new people for this team and um, anybody listening, if you know a great events marketing manager or a product marketing manager, we have two open roles and this is a super exciting team to be on. But Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you've done here in the past year and a half that really stick with you as things that you're proud of?
0: It's hard for me to pick one thing that I'm proud of most in terms of a project. What I'm most proud of is that I feel like we've proven obviously we have a ways to go, but we've been we've proven that we were we're able to drive revenue and to grow a company and grow a startup very quickly by focusing on things that just make people happy, make them laugh, like bring, make their day better. Launching the meme library today, like seeing all of these comments in Slack communities and on Reddit, on Instagram, like all these things, on LinkedIn that people are sharing about how it's like, okay, you've just derailed our entire CS function because now our whole team is just cracking up looking at your memes or people just saying this brightened my day so much. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm proud of that we get to do every day. And it's not just, like, for fun, It's it actually drives revenue. You, like, we have a community demo pop-up that, you know, when you've been on the library for a bit, like, we're able to translate it over. But for me, it's like, usually it's one or the other. You get to either have fun and you're doing fun stuff for fun or you're at work. And I've never been a trade-off person. I have to enjoy what I'm doing all the time and I'm very impatient. So I think what I'm most proud of is that we've been able to build that out here at Catalyst on the team, in the culture, in the industry, where... Our strategy is either like helping people or making people laugh. And through doing that, we just trust and see that revenue will come back around. And so far it has. So that's if I had to pick a specific project, I don't might be the podcast. Like I would be happy if I was podcasting every day, just meet interesting people and talk about interesting things. Like a lot of parts of my job are things where I'm like, I can't believe I get paid to do this, but I could interview people and talk with people day in, day out and not get tired from it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of where it's gone.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought it was really interesting this week. We were talking about just all the things that we have to do and we have so many priorities and we were having a conversation where like, should we dial back the podcast? And you were like, no, like, no. And, and I agree. These are things that really take time to grow and you need to get momentum. And I think most recently we saw like we passed 20,000 downloads in the podcast. Yeah, it took us about a year. And but it's interesting to see yeah, that the momentum accelerate over time. Like you have to grow fans mm-hmm. and listeners and engaged people. And we had 60 plus episodes. Some of them were getting like 200, 300 downloads in the beginning. Now we're getting like a thousand plus downloads each time. So I think it's definitely something I think you should be really proud of. And it's making Catalyst be on the map. People know who Catalyst is through the podcast, um, our, our previous podcast. NPS, I love you. I don't know if we're calling it the previous podcast or just season one, season or one of this podcast.
0: I yeah, like I, I agree. And I, what I the reason I said that, too, is like, I mean, it's something I love that you talk about a lot is that brand leads to demand. So even though we have these aggressive goals for Q4 and obviously every company has aggressive goals for every quarter, even though we have those, we can't sacrifice our long term growth and things that we're doing to build the brand, because then we're just going to keep we have to do both. Right. We have to do short term stuff and the long term stuff. And yeah, the podcast is something where, okay, I'm not having people on and then turning around and like pitching them catalysts and like getting revenue. But we're building a brand here. So in a year and we when we're getting 10,000 downloads per episode and we're getting 100,000 downloads, you know, past that milestone, it's going to ramp up and it's going to be a huge hopefully or it'll crash and burn. You never know. Um, (laughs) But hopefully it's a huge thing that is driving revenue indirectly. So I think that's a really important thing. And so I was thinking about, yeah, just the way you You talk about it when I made that call.
1: Yeah, I I only recently started saying that. That I don't know if somebody made that up before me, but I I like it. it. Brand leads to demand and I I really believe it. And, you know, coming in to a company that had no marketing team before, you know, I had a lot of plans as the head of marketing of what we were going to do. And a lot of them went by the wayside because when I actually got in here, it's a very competitive market, uh, customer success platforms. We needed to figure out a way to stand out like very you know there's 10 to 12 players in this market all competing for the same eyeballs and companies and accounts and it was very clear that one you know you can't buy what you've never heard of Mm -hmm. and two everybody's doing the same stuff uh it's very clear when you look at the ads that are going out the content that's going out it's all the standard SaaS marketing playbooks so i think our investment in a brand early on has put us on the map. Like we went from being a relatively unknown startup um, in May of when you started 2020. To just getting listed in LinkedIn's top 50 startups in the United States. And that was um,
0: crazy in one year. Yeah.
1: And like shout out to all the teams uh, at Catalyst. Like I think it's a testament to a lot of the stuff that we've been doing for the past year plus that we went from being so unknown to like people talking about us, sharing our stuff, tagging us. Um, We're like getting in the back of people's minds. And I think that's really important from a marketing perspective, because when people actually do want to buy something, you know, like we're going to be top of mind. We're, we're building this great brand, but we also have this amazing product to back it up. And, um, you know, there's tons of customer testimonials online to like to to allude to that. Um, but
0: and we're now going to read all of our G2 reviews over this podcast now. That's going to be the second <laughs> half of the episode. Yes. <laughs> No, I I fully I definitely agree, and it's funny because you're, but like earlier you were saying that you're not good at reflecting that that's not something you you do often you always focus on forward but, I think I mean you just summed up a lot of, really great reflection stuff and something I think about a lot, personally. You know, whenever I'm stressed about, you know, if I'm going in the right direction, if I'm moving fast enough, if I'm making enough progress with like my career or, you know, that sort of thing. Or my partner he's a photographer and, and, you know, in that industry as well, it's difficult. So we're always you know focused on the next job or trying to get the next thing. But if you look back to where you were a year ago, two years ago, generally you see a lot of progress that then should help you theoretically. Imagine where you're going to be in another year, right? If Catalyst is able to go in about a year from, I don't know, when we have 1,800 followers on LinkedIn to like a year and two months later having almost 7,000. And then obviously it speeds up over time. So a year from now we'll be, yeah, 15, 20, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's going to amplify really quickly. Um, So I love doing the reflection stuff. I think it's so important to make yourself feel better. And, and, you know, especially when you're feeling insecure about the future or unsure about whether you're doing enough.
1: Yeah, I am very bad at reflecting on things only because I would say I'm like I'm very forward looking and I think it's partially because when you think about these like go to market functions in a SaaS business, Mm -hmm. it's like there is a goal you're trying to meet Mm -hmm. and there's a time frame to do it. And it's like, you know, whether you're in customer success or sales or marketing, you have quotas, you have to have lead generation, pipeline generation and then it starts over. So like for me, it's like we hit the goal mm-hmm. and then all right, we're back to the next quarter, we're back at zero, we need to get to that next goal. And I think for me in my mind, sometimes I'm only looking at what what are we doing next? Like I sometimes when we launch things like for instance, we we launched that fake dating app on April Fools and especially in a time where you see in B2B marketing, people say, like, don't do an April Fool's joke. It's corny and yeah. cheesy and were it's played out. There were many
0: posts leading up to April Fool's. They were like, if you're thinking of doing an April Fool's thing, yeah. marketing team, don't.
1: And we were like, fuck that. We're, we're like, sweating. Do well, yeah. first we were sweating. We're like,
0: are we making a huge mistake?
1: Yeah, we were, we were sharing <laughs> when we, when we, tweets and stuff on, like, yeah. March 15th of B2B marketers on Twitter, and they're like, please don't do this. Don't put us through an April Fool's joke. And we ended up going, like, fully into it. We built the whole website. We built the whole like all product screenshots for this fake dating app. And it was super funny. And we launched it as if it was a real product announcement to like eight or nine thousand people. We said like, hey, we've been working on this in stealth mode for the past six months. It's a dating app for CSMs. We're going to help every CSM in the world find love. And people (laughs) went to the website. And they looked at it and it was received really well but one, i thought one of the most interesting things of that was um for how well it landed on that day i look at like the analytics and the traffic and while it was a big splash and it made so many people even know about catalyst i hear Mm -hmm. candidates from like our customer success team talk about oh like i heard about you guys through this dating app so it was like very successful in that way but when i look at the analytics it was like a spike of traffic like Thousands and thousands of people came to the site the first day the mm-hmm. next day it was like 350 people the next day It was like five people <laughs> so it like it shows you how quickly the internet moves on yeah. and um, I think that Makes our job really important because we're like we have to continue to iterate and innovate and launch new stuff and I think that's where we can stand out and differentiate ourselves as a brand, because a lot of companies can't do that and they can't move that fast. And we've proven that we can just continuously launch these new and exciting things that no one has ever seen before. At the same time, it's super hard and it's not easy.
0: No, it's I, I almost agree with the like the don't do an April fool's joke thing because so many people just do it wrong. And if you are, sure that you're going to do it right and you've got like a very strong you know and obviously you try to validate ideas internally and other things like that to see if this is like cringy or great and it's not everyone will love everything even the memes like i am so tired of making them like they're funny and i'm glad now like other people on the team make them as well but i'm just like aren't, aren't people bored of these like we put them out just because i'm seeing them every day 99.9% of people aren't and so we're still getting demo requests and sales outreach and things like that where people are like oh I heard about you through your memes I love your content all that kind of stuff and it's new and it's fresh for them so it's hard because you have to use yourself as the barometer of if something is cool or not but then in terms of things still being interesting yeah it's just something I think about a lot is like balancing what I think is interesting or boring or cool versus like what in general the market thinks is interesting boring or cool
1: Well, I think that's it's really important that we've been bringing people on the team who have this type of mindset, and they're like building memes. They're making, they're being fun. Yeah. Um, I think about
0: we've had engineers. We just recently brought
1: on our new demand gen manager, Alexa Gates, and um, one thing that Edward, our CEO, pointed out, like the first week that she was there, we were all just sharing memes, and Alexa was just like joining in. She's like sharing memes. We had like seventy-five messages in a row of everybody in our Slack channel just building memes, and we're like, this is super funny, and everyone's laughing. And he was like, it was really great. He was just saying it was great to see her fit in so quickly and be like aligned with the mindset mm-hmm. of the team. That's the type of people we're trying to attract here, like people who understand the internet. They understand like Understand the Internet? Well, understand like the, the culture <laughs> of the internet, I okay. would say. Yeah, not Fair enough. It's like <laughs> <laughs> Definitely people that understand the internet.
0: No, I'm just i I'm just I'm just making fun of um, you. because I picture like an old person, <laughs> like the old lady squinting at the at the that, the at computer, the meme. that meme format. But what I love about Alexa, and I told her this uh, when we, we grabbed, oh, I didn't even think I told you that day where we, the two of us went to lunch during the thing. We had, like, we shared a full bottle of Prosecco at Italy and then, like, came back after. Oh, yeah, you told me. I have a nice picture of it. <laughs> but we, uh, I I told her this. I was like, what I love about her, and it's the same thing you brought up, is, like, she is unapologetically herself right from the get-go all the time. And those are the kind of people that I love. That's the kind of person I strive to be. And that's the kind of people I think we have a lot of at Catalyst. And those are just my favorite people. And if you think of the favorite people you have in your life, it's generally the people who are just always themselves. Like they're just, you look at them and they're just so authentic and usually goofy. And they're just yeah. like, they really couldn't could care. They don't have time to pretend and for bullshit and all this kind of stuff. Like that's, that's what I think is so important and what a lot of, people and companies are missing these days. So well, I think
1: I... that's part of the culture we're trying to build at Catalyst is a place where people can be themselves. And mm-hmm. I've never worked at a place like this before, where people can so truly be who they are. And it's so clear when we, we have um, just for people that don't know, at Catalyst, every Friday we do this thing called Be Raw, and it's a time where everyone is like essentially supposed to like, quote unquote, be raw about their emotions and like what happened during the week. And I think at a lot of companies I've been at the past, it's like a five minute shout out session. Um, But here it's like a 40 minute session of people being. Yeah, we go over uh, every week, like over emotional. Uh, They're like talking about ways that people help them in ways that like legitimately made their life better or Mm -hmm. turn their life around uh, just by the support and the culture of these people. And I think that's really amazing in the middle of a pandemic when a lot of Mm -hmm. us had never even seen each other before. I, I feel really happy that we're working at a place like that. And building a culture like that, it's, it's very important from the leadership team perspective, like we, we want to build a place like that. And I think one of the biggest challenges, is how can you scale that kind of culture? You know, we went from I think when you and I joined, it was like 30 people. Now yeah. we're at 100 a year and four months later. And, you know, how do you keep that kind of culture where people are truly themselves, can be themselves with one another and and scale it to like 300, 400, a thousand people? It's going to be a challenge. but so far, we've proven that we can do it easily.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's because uh, like attracts like, right? People see that, pick up on it, and then they want to come work here. But I think the the key difference here, and it's advice I give to people who are job seeking as well, like here, it's it's not just about being yourself. It's like lean more into that, right? Like, how can you be more of yourself? How can you like find those things that make you a unique individual? And how can we use your skills and your talents and your experiences here? So it's like celebrating individuality at, at sort of a next level, which is what I mean, when the diversity and inclusion conversation comes up, like that's the direction I think companies need to be going into. Thinking about it from that perspective, if you just build a culture that celebrates individuality, celebrates difference of perspective and different backgrounds and all that kind of stuff in a genuine way, all the other stuff will happen. And we have an incredibly diverse here at team here at Catalyst, regardless of what angle you look at it. And we've done that without, in my view, being like overtly trying to be like, well, we need to have this or that. It's been about like core human stuff. And if that's the focus, then the other stuff comes along with it. In the same way that when you build a brand, right? If you focus on making people happy, The revenue comes like it just comes immediately or in the long term. But if you focus on the revenue, then it's actually a lot harder and it might not come at all. So people focus on the wrong things, I think. Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough. But is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalysts today. To learn more, visit Catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out Catalyst.io to learn more.
1: Just from like a B2B marketing side of things, I actually have no idea how you even got into marketing. So, and I think the listeners probably don't hear a ton about your background because you're the one that's always interviewing people. But Uh, I'd love to hear just like, how did you get into marketing in the first place? I know you had a background in customer success and and theater and all these different things that have come together to make you this amazing marketer. But I have no idea how you got here and I should.
0: I mean, it was a mixture of things. Almost everything in my life, I would say, is accidental in terms of... For me, like I, my first job was in customer success, but I only, but I was offered um, a sales role or a customer success role. I had no idea what was involved in the CS role, but it sounded less scary than sales. So I was like, oh, I really want to be in CS, and they were like, that was a test. Every, all these new grads we've been interviewing said they would take either role, and we want someone who knows what they want. I was like, yeah, that's totally why I said yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I ended up in a CS role, and it wasn't a right fit. I was there for for almost a year. I have a lot of opinions, as you know, and so within a couple months, I was like, I think things should be done this way. And my manager with a lot more experience than me was like, no. So when I had the opportunity the following year to be the first in CS at this health tech company, I jumped at it. You know, I'm one of, I, if I don't know how to do something, I always I know that I can figure it out. So I say yes to pretty much everything and then I figure out how to do it after. And so when I took the CS role, I would just spent a ton of time interviewing other CS leaders and reading and listening to things. And this was in 2015. So it was a little earlier before, you know, Catalyst was putting out all this amazing content. So by doing that, um, I was learning a lot. And then people were coming to me and I was just passing along the advice from these other people. So I eventually wrote an ebook called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. A mentor of mine suggested I have a launch party for the ebook to get more eyes on it because she, uh, Erin Burry, uh, she's now the founder of Willful, she did an incredible job of, of building her brand. And she's an expert on all of that. So she was advising me. And so I held this launch event and being me, I went overboard and I got speakers and I got it catered and I got a sponsor and I did like a big thing with like 200 people. What I realized was that like no one gave a shit about the ebook. What they gave a shit about was that there, it was the first major customer success community event in Toronto. And so I brought on a team of volunteers and turned that into what became known as C S and Focus. Originally it was play to win with two ends because mm-hmm. you know everything I do has to be a pun. <laughs> um, but I turned that into C S and Focus and then ran that as a community with meetups and all that kind of stuff while I was doing C S. And then I started expanding C S and Focus into new cities, brought it to New York. That's how I met Kevin and Edward. Edward came late and left early for my event. So I was like, well, that was terrible. But then yeah, they ended up hiring me to build community at Catalyst in March of 2020. Two months later, a pandemic hit, and then it was like, okay, everything changes. That was where, you know, working closely with you, I sort of became a marketer. I wasn't just doing community and events at Catalyst, even though that still is my title. It was engagement and online community building and social media and branding and demand gen and all these different things that you threw my way and challenged me on and showed me how to do. and. Yeah, it's been very interesting. Learned a lot. You mind if I get a drink real quick?
1: Yes. No, How do you it. think it's going? It's terrible so far.
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm bored as shit. You yeah. know, no, go for it. Go for it. I'll pause it. All right. I'll read people G2 crowd reviews while you get your refill. <laughs> <All> <laughs> That'll right. be our ad break. You
1: want
0: anything? Uh, can you get me another black raspberry La Croix? Yeah. Thank you. La Croix
1: is like the best terrible drink. <laughs> But honestly, I think it's pronounced Lacroix. It's not Lacroix.
0: <laughs> I've uh, told you this multiple it's times. It's not Lacroix. <laughs> I think it it's is. the worst pronunciation of it ever. It is not. It's Lacroix. It means the, I think the cross it technically means in La croix? French. But yeah, it means the cross. Lacroix. <laughs> La it's the most American pronunciation I've ever heard. I'm
1: telling you, I'm going to show you after this. Anybody listening, DM Ben. And tell him the uh, the, the correct pron- pronunciation of this. I'll give
0: you, I think you were the one who corrected me on Zapier. Yes, I was. And I will give you that, because it's spelled Zapier. Like, pronunciation, I, I took linguistics for a full semester. <laughs> it is written Zapier, but I understand it being Zapier now. But this is not LaCroix. That's just a terrible idea.
1: When I was working at Schoology, um, Schoology is like a, a very odd, the, the name itself, it's School-O-G-Y. And everybody would pronounce it Schoolology. 90% of people, right. even our school. users and customers. So we used to make a lot of jokes about how people pronounce the name, like online and on Twitter and on LinkedIn and stuff like that. And I feel like I looked up LaCroix because I was trying to find brands that also had a similar mispronunciation. Yeah, <laughs> right I need you to look now. it up now. Yeah, I'm
0: going to look this up right now.
1: And Zapier is one. LaCroix was another one.
0: (laughs) Okay, let me play play this video. We are looking at how to pronounce the name of this brand, American brand, of sparkling water. Flavored sparkling water. Or water. How do you say it? In the U.S., this is said as LaCroix. LaCroix. From French... In France, it is said as Lacroix, Lacroix, meaning the cross. But being yeah, an American brand, it is to be said as Le Croix. What's your favorite flavor? Let me know in the comments. And... I thought that was a robot reading it. I did not realize that was an actual somber, like, Swedish man. Let me know in the comments what you find.
1: So, what do you have to say? He said, In France, <laughs> it is pronounced La, La Croix. Fuck, now you've got me messing it up. All right. All it right. wasn't a great answer because he said it's
0: both. He said it's both, but he said, Since it is an American company, it is Lacroix. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'm not going to say that because it's wrong. And I'll take it up with the CEO if he'll come on the podcast. But, yeah. CEO of? Of what? <laughs> you making me say it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I still find it super interesting that you originally were planning on being a writer.
1: Yeah, I would say um, I was never planning on being a writer. I was originally I had no plan. I um, you're going to write the great American novel. I wanted to, but I, I went to college for economics. Seems like a reasonable thing to do and pursue and get a job in economics after college, like when I was 18, I got a job right out of college at a bank in Boston, Brown Brothers Harriman, I was making $13 an hour. It was directly after the recession had happened and it was really hard to find a job. I really didn't like it at all. I always had this like thing in my mind that I wanted to do something creative. Like I tried things over the years, create Mm -hmm. creatively, like I tried painting and writing poetry. And were you a good painter? I made like weird abstract paintings and stuff like that. So you do photos. No, I don't even know. I, I'm sure there's somewhere okay. um, I, I made a see. lot of graphic design mm-hmm. stuff like weird pictures and stuff that were I, I thought were really cool. I, I always wanted to be a skateboarder and like try to learn how to skateboard. Like I love the skateboarding culture and like how it was like an art and um, of like doing tricks and stuff like that. Uh, like if I had stuck with all these things, I'd be a really interesting person now. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I was doing this job, and I got another job after that in accounting at a hospital, and while I was doing it, I had like been growing this love for writing. I was like, wow, I really love writing and like communicating through words, and it's like a, a great art form. And I had this idea in my mind, yeah, that I wanted to like write write a great American novel, and someday, hopefully, I will. I started doing writing on the side. I I was very fortunate that I just knew this guy who was running a newspaper in Boston called the South End News, he was the head editor. And I was like, hey, could I write an article for this paper and I'll do it for free. And I would say during that time, I met my my now wife and she was super supportive of me writing. She loved the writing that I did and um, it was really encouraging for me. So I continued to do it and uh, during that time I started writing for an alternative newspaper in Boston Um, I'm not even sure if it's around it's called like the weekly dig or dig Boston and they were like you can be more creative and you can write all different types of stuff so at the time I was reading all this books um like Hunter S Thompson and all these other journalists who were like really out there and I was like I want to write like this and do all types of weird shit and write like funny and and fun stuff so I was going to like concerts and food festivals and I went to some like big political rally that Jon Stewart put on in Washington, D.C. and I like reported on it That's so and cool. it was super fun. And I was doing this all for free. And ultimately, it led me to my first job as a writer at a startup company, just like a, a small market research startup company. And I didn't really know anything about software, but these two guys were looking for somebody to come in and be their first writer. Mm. And they were like, yeah, you just need to like create tons of content. It was all about manufacturing software so i learned a ton about manufacturing software in that time and and software in general like how software works Mm -hmm. and that really like laid a lot of the foundation for me where i am today so i was writing up all these reports and everything like that but at the same time i was like learning about marketing because we had just gotten hubspot we had a website and we had hubspot and they were like figure it out and i started learning about seo email marketing and i was like wow we can actually make like a massive impact and i think one of the first things i did was like I wrote this really super long, extensive blog post on, I don't know, it was like enterprise quality management software. And I did a bunch of research on like how to rank in Google. And ultimately it like ranked number one on Google. And it beat out all these software companies like SAP and Oracle and all these big companies that were doing all this stuff for many years. And I became really addicted to it. It became really exciting to me. It became like a game. That's what I sure. think of marketing a lot of times, like a game. There's like a scoreboard almost when you have quotas and you have different numbers that you have to hit and they start over every quarter. For me, it's kind of like going back to being an athlete. It's like you have to win the game. It led me to working at a a number of different software companies in New York city. After that, where I am today, I've been working in marketing for 12 years now and uh, it's been an amazing career path. I always tell people, to join this career path because to be marketers. Yeah, I do. I do. Like, I know we had Rand Fishkin on the the podcast a couple episodes ago. And I remember maybe like eight years ago, I saw Rand talk at HubSpot inbound conference. Mm. And one, it was just I was like, this guy is super cool. Like, I was like, I want to be like this guy. He's like, he looks cool. He's saying funny stuff. He's writing really good content. He's super passionate about what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And two, he said, like, I have no doubt in the next five years or so, like, marketing salaries are going to double because the impact that marketing is making, we talk about this a lot, like, people are doing all of their research before ever talking to a salesperson now. They're doing, like, they're talking to peers, they're looking on G2, they're reading blog posts, and marketing is becoming increasingly important in the buying journey to enable people to know what they want to buy before ever talking to a salesperson. That was really exciting for me because I was like, wow, I can, I'm making... You know, I went from making $13 an hour when I was like 22 and I was like, I can make a lot of money, hopefully in marketing someday. Like I wasn't making mm-hmm. a lot of money at the time. Um, so
0: you're in it for the money is what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think in some ways. Yeah.
0: But well, um, I mean, we all want to work in industries like that. It's just a sign of growth. Right. You, yeah. And, and it's not just about the salaries. It's that like budget budgets are going to get bigger and people are, you know what I mean? It's yeah. the same for community, like or and customer success, customer success. That's what we're seeing. Like there's a huge talent pipeline problem because salaries are so high. Demand is so high. The need is so high, especially post covid. So it's cool to see these roles rising and changing. Like what being a marketer is now is also different than what it was in some ways, depending on how abstract you go, than it then it was 8, 10, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, I think it's really different. And because there's been so much focus on getting in front of people before they make a purchasing decision Mm -hmm. there's been an explosion of content and everybody is putting out tons of content they're putting out emails and actually like i think that has given way to companies like ours who are doing things slightly different because now that everybody's doing the exact same thing and like creating like all of the similar types of content people now are like inundated with content. Like I get yeah. five to 10 emails a day that I never asked for. And I'm like, right. where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> I'm trying to unsubscribe I'm blocking yeah. people. You have to really be careful of how you engage with them. Like you have to deliver something good if yeah. you're going to get in front of them. And I think about like, people are just they in their mind. They're like, they skip over ads. They close pop up. They don't want to waste their time and they yeah. have no time for, bad content, they have no time to be like interrupted in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're it just conditioned makes it now. so important that we have to deliver amazing experiences and content continuously.
0: Yeah. And like we're conditioned now to instinctively close tabs. We know what to look for, how long to wait, how to find the little X and wherever it is. And so, I mean, I've honestly like I've probably closed several things that I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have closed that because it's just an instinctive thing to when it pops up, you do that. And that's why I liked what we did for Retain Me and for Request a Demon. Yeah. So for Halloween, Mike had this awesome idea to change all the, the buttons and the wording on our site instead of Request a Demo to say Request a Demon. And then we designed these funny demons and all that kind of stuff. And I like those because when people did the dating app, it looks real, they can engage with all the content. And then when they, when they click the Find My Match button, we made a custom demo page where it was like, you've been matched with Catalyst, and mm-hmm. here's why it's a, it'll never let you down, it's always there for you, it's reliable, it's honest, it, a source of truth, like all that kind of stuff, right? And so it still led people to the demo, which is ultimately where we wanted them to go, but it didn't interrupt their experience, it was integrated with their experience. Yeah. And that's, I think, where the best stuff is. Is when you can integrate it.
1: Well, I think that's one of the the things that I've I've said a lot, and I read the book The Challenger Sale, which is a very famous sales book. And I was reading it, and like one thing that stuck out to me was they talk about leading, and I say this a lot to you guys, uh, like leading to the product rather than leading with the product. Right. And that is like a very important message today in 2021 in yeah. marketing. Is like. People don't want you to like lead with the product and we can even see it when we share stuff about ourselves online, like we share a meme, people love it. we share something about the product, it's like, eh, like people are like, they're not, it's not that they don't like the product. They just don't. That's not what they're there for. Yeah, they're not there to do that. And that's why we need to lead them to the product. Like you have to do these amazing experiences like that April Fool's joke. And when people click the call to action, it goes to the product.
0: Yeah, it's true. Like it's, it's hard, hard, but I think that's the mistake. That a lot of companies make is they and it's advice I give people when they're doing community building or, or even marketing now, although those are very similar things now. Uh, the mistake that a lot of companies and people make is they they tell people what they want them to hear instead of they don't instead of telling them what that people want to hear. You know what I mean? Like obviously as Catalyst, we're like, oh, we want everyone to know that we launched this new feature. It's like, yeah, but no one else does. If you're not a user of Catalyst, or you're not about to buy it. Like, why would you give a shit that we launched I don't know custom objects or this integration or whatever it is. Like well, that's. I not wouldn't what say that want. people
1: don't give a shit. It's the way that you deliver it to make them give a shit. Well, and, is, and I think a good example. Saying, right? Like I would love for you to just talk about the email launch. Like we launched email at Catalyst um, in such an interesting way. Right. I
0: mean. But the, so this is what I'm saying is like people don't give a shit like about the feature itself necessarily. So they're going to disengage with it. It's about figuring out okay people might not care about this feature but what they do care about let's say okay it's with the email launch what they do care about is like what we hear from a lot of people is that they're struggling with like automation or they're struggling with this thing so can we solve that for them can we put together a content piece or an event or you know something that will help them with a problem and then how can we work into that you know what we want them to know and that way it's delivering what we need it to as a company, but it's also delivering something that is helpful and interesting to them. And yeah, we obviously we take that as far as we possibly can in terms of the creative delivery. So for email we did. uh well, that was the escape room, right? We made escape the inbox, which was a virtual escape room that uh, that we made for um, CS teams. So we had all these teams. I forget how many it was like a few hundred compete over three or four days to get out of this virtual escape room, uh, uh, this virtual inbox. They had to solve different clues and all this sort of stuff and everybody knew i put one slide at the start where i was like and i think i literally called it, it. i was like this is my obligatory slide where yeah, i need you to were tell like, you my head of
1: marketing so yeah i, I was, have to show you this pretty slide. much
0: i'm always throwing you under the bus yeah. whenever i can i Please was like do. i have to do that yeah you throw me under the bus i'll throw <laughs> you under the bus it's perfect and we can all throw edward under the bus i was like i'm going to show this to you we have this it's out okay now let's have fun and then we had a great time and so everyone enjoyed it they knew that we launched email everybody knew and they had a great time with it. No one was like why is Catalyst sending me an email about this feature that I don't care about. They came for the event but everyone uh, uh, but ultimately we accomplished what we needed to as marketers. And that's the it's hard but that's the best stuff. And I actually that led to say, uh, I'd say a couple of sales and demos and stuff like that.
1: It led to a sale immediately because somebody right on the call said, wow, I had no idea Catalyst had email." Right. And then we took a screenshot of it, we sent it to Stacy Schmitz and we said this is your account. This person <laughs> didn't know we had email, and now they do, and they're excited. She reached out, and I think within 30 days, they were a customer, and now yeah. they're a very happy customer.
0: It's crazy, and but if we just posted it, they might have ignored it, or their algorithm might not have shown it, or they might have just not even realized what it was because they're so used to blurring out the constant stream of information. But when you do a virtual escape room and you have a captive audience, it's completely different. The other thing, too, that I love, things that are funny or creative, people, because they involve like different centers of the brain, people remember the information better, right? And so it's the same reason that like if you, instead of remembering, I don't know, like a certain bunch of information, if you turn it into an acronym or something like that, you're more likely to remember it because you're using multiple parts of your brain. And so whenever we can work in humor or creativity into something, it's gonna make things stick a lot better. And so even like when we, Stacy and I do the community demo every month, I always try to think of like new or funny things I can throw in. But I'm literally there to add color commentary, make fun of Stacy when she waves her arms like crazy and like just get people on the call, participating, engaging, laughing because you can bet that a demo where people are laughing and having a good time, they're going to remember the demo, remember the information, be more engaged throughout the whole time than if it's just a straightforward like here are our features or here's how you do X, Y, Z with our product.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to just giving good experiences all the time in every yeah. aspect.
0: that's where brand comes in. That's how you build a brand. Right. It's like a consistent thing across. And now, I mean, you've talked about, you know, me moving in that direction from a career like focusing on on branding and that being. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. I never would have thought of that, but that that actually is what I love about all these different things. And so, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like, I love that aspect of building a brand persona and having people say things like, I don't know what Catalyst does, but I know I want to buy it or like that sort of thing, because it's just like they love the brand. I don't know what Gymshark does still couldn't tell you. I've been following them on LinkedIn (laughs) for a year. Maybe that's a bit of like a shade for their of shade for their marketing team, because but it's part of their strategy. If I ever knew what Gymshark was or if someone reached out from Gymshark and was like, hey, we think that you need this product because we saw that I would absolutely take the call. And if they were right, then they'd be right. So they have done such an amazing job of building this brand that people just love because of the brand and. That's such a powerful thing. Like, that's how you build a company that succeeds and lasts. And and that's your moat.
1: We talk a lot about when we started building the brand and it was just the two of us back in like September, we were like, we there there had never been really any LinkedIn posts from Catalyst. No, never. There was like, hey, we had our series A announcement. We had our series B announcement and we were like, what can we do? That got us our 800 followers. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I gave you like two points of direction. I said one. You only post things that you yourself would engage with. Mm -hmm. So I think right off the bat, you're like memes. And number two, I was like, talk to people as if you're another person and not as if you're a company talking to them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that stayed true all the way up until today, Mm -hmm. where we try to have like a very human approach to everything we do. And like when you hear us on LinkedIn, it's like like we say, like me sometimes we're like uh, we talk about ourselves in the LinkedIn post, even though it's not like we're not like saying it's me, Ben, but we're like. I'm having a bad day today. No, we're not saying that, but we're saying, you know what I mean? Like the memes are like very personal and they're like, uh, it's like a person-to-person type of interaction. Yeah. And that is what people really like. Yeah, for sure.
0: And we talk about that stuff a lot at Cal's, like work-life balance and mental health and like human things because it's like humans are buying from us and humans are our community and I've never understood that dissociation between, okay, well now we have to be the professional company and it's like, no, that's not, you're engaging with other people, it's all people, so you just have to I don't think of them that way and treat them that way. And then it works a lot better. People have a lot more fun. People don't have enough fun. They don't. You know what I mean? Especially work. I just think it's such an antiquated way of thinking about work that you have to be, have to do this trade off of like, well, I'm miserable for 40 hours a week. And then I have like fun on some evenings
1: and weekends. But what advice do you have to people that, like you are in a job that's very fun. You get to make memes and you get to... Uh, Make jokes online and you get to run events and like all these exciting things. What like What advice you have to people that don't have an exciting job like that?
0: So for me, I think it's because like as I became more confident doing what I was doing over the last few years and granted I don't have ten years experience. I've got six seven I've realized more what I like and and what I don't like and I'm very like if I don't like something I'm just gonna I'm polite, but I'll be honest if I don't want to do something. I'm gonna be like I don't want to do that for this reason, like this doesn't and if it's not interesting, like I'm not going to engage with it. Like, I don't know. It's just I, only, I, I know I learned very quickly because, you know, and, and the first company I worked out, like it, it, it absolutely wasn't a bad company. It's a, lots of great people and a great product. But culturally, it wasn't the right fit for me. And I realized very quickly that, like, this isn't for me. And so I knew that the next company I went to would have to be a place where it, it's sort of like if you're apartment hunting every apartment there's always something wrong with it and then you realize okay for the next one we need to check the cell service before we sign a lease or we need to make sure the toilets work or whatever it is and then you get in that next apartment and then you realize okay now we know these other things that we have to check for the next one and that's how I look at like figuring out the right company is like you as you go through learn quickly and recognize what you like and what you don't like because ultimately you're not gonna be the best employee or contributor to the company if you're not happy where you're working.
1: I think that's a great point. Like and you're right, like not everybody has a job that's like intrinsically fun like you do,
0: but you but my job isn't intrinsically fun. the company uh, and the culture
1: that you're in as well. Like for sure. I think everybody here at Catalyst in many ways has fun. And Edward has said this multiple times. It's something I really love. Like he even said it at our company party last week when he was making a a speech um, or at some point he said it multiple times where he's like, if you're not having fun, it's one of our core values to have fun. And he's like, if you're not having fun, I want you to come to me directly and tell me that you're not having fun. And like, to me, that's such a cool thing. Like you don't, when I was growing up, I was never thinking like, I'm going to go to work and have fun. Yeah. But I like, I feel very fortunate because I wake up every day and I'm like excited to go to work. Even if it's like going from my bed 20 feet to my kitchen where I sit and work all day usually Um, like I'm like having fun we're doing fun stuff I'm working with people that are like super passionate about building a company and a brand I feel bad for when people tell me they don't have fun at work or they don't have a good culture
0: you have to make it fun like this is the thing is like our jobs are not intrinsically fun you could if you swap the people or you swap our CEO or something our jobs stop being fun like it's fun because we make it fun and often what it is is that someone has to be willing to be the first to at the company or on the team to be ridiculous and to take that risk of, you know, making, making the joke or or, you know, going out on a limb and doing something goofy or stupid, putting on a dress and a wig, like whatever it is, you have to do that to create the psychological safety on the team for everyone to have fun. And once you do that, everyone's like, wait, you're also fun and you're fun. Oh, we I didn't realize we all actually want to enjoy what we're doing every day instead of being these professional robots that that's how you create the environment. But I think a lot of people are afraid to be the first. And especially at a large company, it's much harder and it's harder to change the culture when it's already in place and there's so many people.
1: Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing too. Like some people have asked me before, they're like, aren't you afraid that some of your competitors are gonna start doing what you're doing, all these fun things? And I'm like, no, because they're not going to change their entire company culture and tone Mm -hmm. and voice. You don't just like go to a VP of marketing and say, be funny now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you have to replace that person. You have to replace many people on the team. So we're like, I think building that from the ground up is what's going to help us scale that type of mentality and culture and how we shape and evolve the voice of our brand and the culture of the company over time.
0: Definitely. And even if they did, I'm like, great. Like, more companies should be having more fun. My feeds would be more fun if our competitors... Like, I I think that, you know, that stuff is... It's indicative of, like, a larger... It's not just related to work. It's just, like, life in general. Like, if people relax more and have more fun and think about it that way, like, we all benefit. We're all going to have a better time. So can everyone chill? It's <laughs> <laughs> like my... Can we just chill? Like, I think... And, I mean, that was... No, so, the
1: answer is no in many cases. I know,
0: which is a problem. And it's like, I feel like I wasn't always like that and my partner's like very italian his family is very italian and italians are just like the most chill people they either they're either like screaming or drinking or laughing or all three and like that was such a you know i my whole family i made that post earlier about like you know my brother's a software engineer my sister's a biochemical researcher by bio, something like that and and i make memes but Like, I grew up very, like, structured, organized. Like, my family's creative, but they're not chill. I'd say say they're more chill now, but when I was growing up, didn't feel chill. And uh, my partner's family was, like, very...
1: The opposite? Yeah, they're just
0: the opposite in, like, every way. And so I learned so much from them, like, just seeing how they were, and I adopted I saw these things I liked. I liked how they were when they were just relaxed and themselves, and they weren't overthinking a million things and going crazy. They were just, like... Well, you know, we're gonna sit on the back porch and have wine and that's how we're gonna spend our afternoon you know mm-hmm. versus like my mom might be like okay we've got like crafts from 12 to one thirty, and then you have choir practice and then we're doing a guitar lesson and then you have to practice piano and then we're going to here and we're going there and credit to her like i know how to do a lot of things now that you know yeah. otherwise I wouldn't but there you have to have a balance dream projects would be okay we have we're at salesforce level right like we're massive we can build wherever we want so i want to have like a beautiful office building on the water and i want to do i want to design a bar and coffee shop on the main floor and like a rooftop restaurant with like a mixed venue and I just think that'd be so cool and make it a place where, again, like we do with all of our marketing, like you don't have to know or care what Catalyst is, but we have like the best bar and we've yeah. got the best restaurant. And we just like our bill again, like and it has our brand and it's like fun and it's cool and it's something you don't get other places like carrying our brand through to other channels and to our employee experience and to, yeah, like everything. I think that there's an opportunity to do that. And so I'm excited for when that day
1: comes. I think it's, well, you mentioned to me before in such a crazy idea, you were like, we should buy a restaurant or make a restaurant. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) What the hell does a (laughs) restaurant have to do with anything we're doing? But I see what you're saying. And um, a couple of years ago, maybe like, I don't know, five years ago, I was in San Francisco and I was giving a talk about something. I don't know. It was like how marketing is like recruiting. I was working for an HR tech company. Mm -hmm. And after the talk, several people from Dropbox came up to me and they were like, we really like what you were saying. And um, we were chatting and they were like, you should come back to Dropbox and meet some of the people in the marketing team there. I went and they just had like a legitimately full restaurant inside of Dropbox. I can't remember what it's called. There's some name for it. It was like amazing food. The design and setup was it was super cool. Mm -hmm. And I would say just from like a employer branding perspective, I was like, fuck, I want to come work here. Yeah, I I immediately tried to get a job there. It fell through. I don't know why. I'm glad it did. You ended up here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I would have been in San Francisco or something there. Yeah, I think it's a cool employer branding opportunity. Yeah,
0: the other that was the other thing I was going to mention earlier, because you talked about enjoying what we do. And I find it such an interesting problem that I you and I, and I think a lot of people on the team enjoy what we do so much that, like, we'll just work like nights. Even if we don't have to, even if something's not due the next day or like is crazy, you're not, you're never asking me to, like you've never once, but like, I'll still just do it because I'm like, I'm, I enjoy it. I'm writing copy for a a dating app or I'm making memes about something or I'm like doing this other stuff. And while that is good from like maybe a catalyst perspective, it's hard because Anthony will be like, why are you still working? And Mm -hmm. he'll be upset that I'm working or he will be, you know, it's... And it's not necessarily healthy. Like, I am i don't know if it is yet. Like, I still haven't really made up my mind. I'm like, I love that I enjoy what I'm doing. I don't but, think it is healthy. OK, and,
1: um, <laughs> Like I get it, though. And I think it's partially, yes, we love the job and we love the team and we want to see it succeed. And it's partially that we are building a business from the ground up. And like somebody asked me recently, what's something that you didn't know when you started this job? I was interviewing somebody and they were like, I was like, do you have any questions for me? And that was their question. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I didn't know the extent of it. And um, when you're you're building a software company from From the ground up, from like we were the first marketers, So it's like it's a lot of work and it's not for everybody. Like a a lot of people wouldn't want to do this job, but it does take a toll on the work life balance. Like there are I I talk to my wife about it all the time and she's like, you're still working. It's nine o'clock and I've been working since seven o'clock in the morning. And it's something I'm actively working on trying to put it away and stop working. And also with the team, I've been trying to tell people, like I probably sent you a message recently, I sent Patrick a message, I sent other people a message. I'm like, shut it down, like it's nine o'clock, I see your green Slack light on, stop yeah. doing that. I've been trying more and more to schedule messages in Slack for the next day at 9am. True.
0: But it's hard because it's like, I i mean, for you, it might be a little different because I know that you luckily shield us from it. But like you, de- you get to do some of the fun stuff, but you're also making decks for the board and you're making presentations and doing data analysis and like that stuff, like I could never do at night like that. I'd be like tomorrow or it's late. I don't care. I'm not doing that tonight. But for me, the challenge is when it's fun stuff. I'm like, I want to work, but also I know I shouldn't work. Yeah. And that's something that like I have a hard time like figuring out. You know how to stop myself. I think
1: it's something we have to just get better at. Like if we want to do this and grow this company and work here and for the next several years and take Catalyst to an IPO and a massive exit or whatever we're going to do, it's going to be a long haul. We have to dial it back a notch in some ways, but also try to have a similar impact. And I think that's like part of well, we've been talking about getting more efficient, like establishing frameworks better. and processes, doing yeah, doing fewer things better, focusing on quality over quantity, even more than we have been. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a lesson for a lot of people in early stage startups. Like you can't do it all. You have to pick and choose your battles. And, and for marketers, like we have to pick and choose our channels and what we're yeah. doing.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, do maximize what you can out of those channels that you pick and get a spouse who will yell at you Mm -hmm. when you're overworking. Yeah, like I know (laughs) urgent situations. I've been like, okay, Anthony's taking a shower. I have 15 minutes to get this project done. I'm like typing furiously and then I'm like, okay, because I know I don't want to get in trouble and I'm like trying to get it done. But yeah, it's it's interesting. But I have still felt like this is the thing, too. When you're doing stuff you enjoy, you also don't it doesn't tire you out in the same way. You're, You're able to keep it's like playing a sport, like the reason your endurance is generally better when you're playing a sport is because you're like having fun. I can play two hours of tennis and I'll be sweaty and tired, but like I can just like keep going because I love it. It's a lot of fun. Whereas like I'll go until my legs literally aren't working. Whereas if you ask me to go for a two hour run, I'm just going to get bored and I'm going to fade out. So I feel like it's the same thing with work. It's like when you're doing, and it's a good way to know if you're working on the right projects or not. It's like, are you having fun doing what you're doing? Like if so, it's going to fly by and you're going to enjoy and you're not going to be feel like you're being overworked. And if you're not, then that's going to come really quickly.
1: You well, I think at one you point you were saying uh, you were like, we should print out a sign and, and put it next to our marketing team in our area at, at the Catalyst office and be like, do something every day that makes your CEO really scared.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do. Yeah, because he's terrified by most of the things we do because no one's done these things before. So are we going to put out a meme that offends people? Are we like we I was showing you, I love that meme we have on the library that's like Trump and it's seeing. I was a business development rep doing business development. Like it's, it's great and it's edgy.
1: Yeah. But but we're very cognizant of what will offend people. And we talk about it internally. I think that's something that we, we try to do. Like we have
0: the internal barometer around like, is this meme? We've never used the meme of like the guy, the distracted boyfriend or the couple in bed. Like, you know, if there are things that we think could be interpreted the wrong way, we'll do our best to... Yeah,
1: and it's our job to like kind of like toe the line. Like that's where you, that's where you're in that, I mean, gray space line, of like being toward it. the line of like what is like acceptable to talk about in the workplace and and to joke about. That's where people really like it. Like when we get to that like edginess, yeah, that's when people are like, this is really funny, or I, I love this brand because they're like they're not afraid to do something like this. We have to just continuously do that. And it makes me think of back to the office. People talk about the office a lot and they're like, and I listen to office podcasts sometimes and they're always like, should we bring the office back? And people are like, some people are like, we couldn't do it. Yeah. And I'm like, in what world couldn't you do it? You have all these super great writers like they're going to just adapt to what's acceptable now and find the line and go to it. So like it, it just has to you have to keep evolving with what's acceptable and like, who knows, maybe 10 years from now, we'll look back and some of the things that we said are like no longer acceptable um, because things change so quickly and they evolve and you just have to, you have to be aware of it.
0: Yeah. So I, I agree with you. Like, I think if it's the same, if they were able to get the same writing team, they are smart enough that they could figure out how to bring it back. Well, um, if you're listening to this and you made it to the end of the episode (laughs) and you aren't uh, completely tired of Mike and I, definitely check out our careers page. Um, Two very exciting roles for our team, product marketer and events manager. We've got some nuts, nuts stuff planned for next year. Um, So I guarantee you'll have an amazing time if you enjoy the podcast, because this is pretty much how we are all day, every day. Maybe even a little less censored because we're not recording. Right. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for for coming on Humans of SaaS.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Make sure to subscribe. And if you want to reach out to us, our email is community at getcatalyst.io.